Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I'm going to read you something. Let me have your attention. A biker was riding along a California beach when suddenly the sky clouded above his head. And in a booming voice, the Lord said, Because you have tried to be faithful to me in all your ways, I will grant you one wish. The biker pulled over and said, Build a bridge to Hawaii so I can ride over anytime I want. Well, the Lord said, Your request is materialistic. Think of the enormous challenges for that kind of undertaking. The supports required reaching the bottom of the Pacific, the concrete and the steel that it would take. It would nearly exhaust several resources. I can do it, but it's hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time and think of something that would honor and glorify me, God said. Well, the biker thought about it for a long time, and finally he said, Lord, I wish that I could understand my wife. I want to know how she feels inside. What she's thinking when she gives me the silent treatment, why she cries, what she means when she says nothing's wrong, and how can I make a woman truly happy? And the Lord replied, you want two lanes or four with that bridge? (laughs) Copies available after church. (laughs) Impossible. I love you, ladies. God loves you, too. Show of hands. You've been with me in chapter three? Show of hands. A good number of you, you know, Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus about the new birth. Nicodemus is confused, and he doesn't understand. He says, how can a man enter a second time in his mother's womb? Look at verse four. Come on, trek with me. Jesus said, Nick, I'm telling you, you must be born again. It's spiritual. That which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Verse 7, do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be, what saints? Born again. Nick still doesn't understand. Then Jesus tried to use wind to explain the transforming invisible power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, Jesus said, if I told you earthly things, you would understand, but this is heavenly. It's spiritual. No one has ascended, verse 13, to heaven, but Jesus came down from heaven. In other words, new life is possible because Jesus brought it down from heaven. God loved the world so much so that he gave his only begotten son, verse 17. Because Jesus doesn't want the world to be condemned, God wants the world to have life and be saved, but the world loves darkness rather than light. They won't come to the light because their deeds are evil. Now, Let me have your attention. We are not told from this point, because we're going to leave Nicodemus, 
Um, and start talking about John and his disciples. And we're not told that Nicodemus gave his life to Christ. Although I'm confident that he walked away and the Holy Spirit was working on him. Nicodemus was taking hold of Jesus' words and the Holy Spirit was taking hold of Nicodemus. How do I know that? Well, in your own time, write this down. John chapter 7, we find Nicodemus is putting his life on the line for Jesus. The wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing. The Pharisees wanted to convict Jesus in a kangaroo court. Nicodemus, who stood up and said, our law doesn't condemn a man until it's heard him. Nicodemus is probably thinking, man, if you guys could only hear him, if you could only hear the words that he speaks, you would be changed. John chapter 19, fast forward. The wind of the Holy Spirit is still blowing as Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea go and get the dead body of Jesus. Think about that. Nicodemus lays his entire career on the line for a dead Christ. So the wind is blowing and the spirit is moving as Jesus is sowing seed in John chapter 3. Well, then we come to verse 22. Jesus has finished talking to Nicodemus and the scene shifts to the Judean countryside where Jesus and his disciples are baptizing. John chapter 4 verse 2 tells us that Jesus didn't actually baptize anyone. It was his disciples that were baptizing. John and his disciples are baptizing, and an argument breaks out because Jesus and his disciples were baptizing more folk than John and his disciples. I've titled the sermon, I Must Decrease, He Must, anybody know? Increase. John chapter 3, saints, let's get into it. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. If you're looking at verse 22, say, I'm looking at it. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them. And what was he doing there? Baptizing. Now, John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and they were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to Jesus and they said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, talking about Jesus, to whom you testified, behold, he, Jesus, is baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, come on, read verse 27 with me, saints. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness, John said, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who was, who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Read verse 30 with me. He must increase, but I must decrease. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus and his disciples have been in the city of Jerusalem, which is in the southern part of Israel, known as Judea. From the city of Jerusalem, they moved down to the Jordan River, and it's in this area that they're doing ministry and baptizing. Now, let me have your attention. 
One of the many things that I love about the Bible, uh, one of the many things I love about the Bible is the Bible keeps it real. Let's say a better amen than that. The Bible keeps it 100. The Bible tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And whether it's good truth or bad truth, the Bible tells the truth. In our text, John is telling us the story of John the Baptist's disciples who were offended because the ministry of Jesus began to get more attention. Jesus' disciples were baptizing more people than John. And the followers of John didn't like it. They were jealous. They were envious. And it's unfortunate. Perhaps you'll agree. It's unfortunate that we see that tendency in the body of Christ all the time of people getting jealous because that church over there is larger or this church over here is doing X. Listen, we can't allow ourselves to become jealous over various ministries in the church, in the body of Christ. We can't allow ourselves to become envious because they're doing this over there or they have that over there. We have to work together because we're the body of Christ. In my travels, you know, I travel, travel to Africa, India, Israel, uh, many countries. And, you know, one thing I notice about Christians internationally, uh, they work together far better than Christians in the U.S. In the U.S., we seem to divide over petty little things. You go to India, for example, there are 1.2 billion people in India, and a small fraction of them are Christian. Uh, there's 1.4 billion people in China, which is right above India, and, and there's a fraction of Christians there. And, 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 and the Christians there, whether they be uh, Baptist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, um, Methodists, whoever they are, whatever denomination under the umbrella of Protestantism that they are, they tend to work together better. They tend to stick together. And I think the reason that they stick together is because, one, they don't focus on trivial things and non-essentials that we do in the U.S. We tend to focus on non-essentials and trivial things like, well, do they speak in tongues in that church or don't they speak in tongues? Or do they dance in the spirit or don't they dance in the spirit? Or they're, they, they're too loud in the spirit and we're not too loud. Or, or how do they speak in tongues in the spirit? Do they say, shalala bobo, or do they say, he uh, coming on a Honda? I mean, you know, it's like... He's coming in on a Honda, you know. I never forget this. I'm talking about that. I never forget this one lady, and she was like, she was like, he going on a Honda, he going on a Honda, he going on a Honda, he going on a Honda. And I looked at Elvira and said, is she saying he's coming in on a Honda? I said, he going out on a Kawasaki. What is this, is that, what's what she's saying? But we, we get all trivialized and all of these things that really don't matter when the fact is, listen, the only important thing, all these things put aside, and all those non-essentials put aside, the only important thing is that people come to Christ. That's the most important thing. 
Now, where you get that from, Rodney? Well, look, Paul says the very same thing. Turn in your Bibles. Hold your finger right here, and I'm going to get you turning your Bible. Forget the screen, because I think I got the screen, the, the projection wrong. Uh, Ephesians. Uh, Philippians. Turn to Philippians. Philippians. Galatians. Ephesians. Philippians. Colossians. You go to Colossians, you go too far. Come back. Philippians. I want you to see this. This is what Paul has to say. He says the exact same thing. It's about Christ. Philippians chapter 1. And look at verse 15. Got your finger in John. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. Looking at verse 15, say, I'm looking at it. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add to my afflictions and my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then, in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in, y'all watching this? Whether in pretense or in what? Truth, what? Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Paul says, listen, the only important thing is Christ. It reminds me of this story. It was at a point in history that two of the greatest English evangelist John Wesley and George Whitfield disagreed on certain doctrinal matters. Well, Whitfield was a Calvinist and Wesley was not. However, both of them were successful in bringing many people to Christ. And one day, someone asked Wesley if he expected to see Whitfield in heaven. And Wesley replied, no, I don't. The person then asked, then, do you think that Whitfield is a converted man? Of course he's a converted man, said Wesley, but I do not expect to see him in heaven because he will be so close to the throne of God and I so far away that I will not be able to see him. And the point is, these great men with doctrinal differences didn't allow those differences to stand in the way of what was really important. What is really important is that Christ is preached. What is really important is that people get saved. What is really important is that souls are one for the kingdom. Am I right about that? Soul, that's the most important thing. Not dividing and division that takes place in the church over all these trivial things. Listen, difference doesn't mean wrong, just means different. Different doesn't mean wrong, just means different. The Bible says, let brotherly love, what saints, continue. In essentials, write this down. In essentials, there must be unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In essentials, there must be unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Well, here in our text, Jesus and his disciples and John and his disciples come to Judea and they're baptizing in the area called Enon and Selim. Now, Enon, if you want to write this in your margins, means spring, like in springtime. And Selim means peace, spring and peace. And while I was studying, I was, you know, looking at some commentaries on, um, you know, this particular text. And a lot of commentaries, they say, um, you know, spring and peace. And they try to, you know, get the meaning out of what spring and peace means. And so 
And they come up with all these things. It's just it's like ridiculous. They, you know, spring, well, it, you know, the spring because of the warmth of Jesus. Why were they baptizing in that area? Spring and peace because of the warmth of Jesus. And peace because Jesus is peace and he's the prince of peace. And when the warm arms of Jesus wrap around the peoples who are being baptized, the peace and the warmth come from them. And I'm reading this and I'm going, are we reading the same Bible? It says that they were in Anon and Salim because water was there. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> Why you got to over-spiritualize stuff? People, some of Christians. Help me. Don't over-spiritualize things. Why we got to be so spiritual? We got to over-spiritualize everything. I mean, everything got to be so spiritual. You know, some people are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. You got to over-spiritualize everything. You know, talking to non-believers, do you understand? Listen, when you talk to non-believers, let me help you. When you talk to non-believers, bring it low. Bring it down. You're talking to non-believers and you tell them, you know what? God wants to work in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon your life in power and with fire. And the, then the blood of Jesus is going to cover you and wash you of your sin. Do you know what that sounds like to a non-believer? <laughs> that sounds like if I get saved, God's going to drench me in blood and set me on fire. No wonder they ain't trying to get saved. Who wants to get on fire? No one. Sorry. <laughs> it's crazy. Bring it down. Stop trying to be so spiritual. Everything. You know, you meet people like that. You know people like that. It's like, how you doing? How's things going? Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and that with fire. And the Holy Spirit has come upon me. And I'm feeling like the Spirit of God is working through me and coming up all out of me. And you're like, I just asked you how you doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Stop trying to be so over-spiritual. Bring it down. It's okay. You know, I God, praise the Lord doesn't have to come out of your mouth every second. You know, you can preach the word of God and not even quote chapter and verse. <gasps> Clutch the pearls. <laughs> For real? Yes. You can preach God's word and not quote chapter. Number. Well, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. And then 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, for God is love. And they that love must be. You don't need all that. All you got to do is tell people, hey, you know what? God loves you. And guess what? God is love. Whoa, Revelation. You don't need all that. Bring it down. Don't be so overly spiritual. They're baptizing in the area, not because there's any hidden message in the name, but because there was water there. Now, before we go on, I want you to understand that John the Baptist had a very unique ministry. This is very important. I want you to write this down. John the Baptist had a very unique ministry. Number one, keep in mind that there had not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. God wasn't speaking to man. God's voice was silent. So in one sense, John was an Old Testament dispensation prophet. 
In one hand, John the Baptist held the law. In the other hand, he held the good news of the gospel and the great plan of salvation through the Lamb of God. That's unique. Number two, not only was he an Old Testament dispensation prophet, but John's ministry was unique in that the Jews had ceremonial washings or what they call a mikvah. If you were with us in Israel, I took you to a mikvah and I showed you where they would have these these ceremonial washings and where they were done. And they were done on a daily basis to symbolize preparation for other forms of worship, but they were not baptisms to repentance. John's ministry was unique because John was John's baptism was a one-time baptism of repentance, which symbolized the preparation of the heart for the coming of Jesus. John the Baptist is calling the nation, even the Jewish leaders, to repentance. And number three, John's ministry is unique because John, think about this, had the privilege and might I add the honor to baptize Jesus himself so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. So in our text, an argument develops between John and his disciples and Jesus and his disciples about ceremonial washings or purification. And they came to John and they said, the man that was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. It could be that there were some who were following John or going to John's church who decided to start following Jesus and going to Jesus' church and it caused them jealousy. Well, then in verse 24, it tells us all this happened before John was thrown in prison, just to kind of insert. So John's disciples are probably upset. But John, it didn't bother John one bit because John knows all things charity. And John would not allow jealousy and envy to make him forget the mission. John knew his mission. John knew his ministry. Got a pen? John's mission and ministry was to announce the Messiah period, and then step back. John's mission and ministry was to announce the Messiah and then step back. John's ministry was threefold. You got a pen? Clear the way, prepare the way, get out of the way. Clear the way, prepare the way, get out of the way for the Messiah. Clear the way. Clear people's minds and hearts so that they're ready to receive the Messiah. Prepare the way. Call the nation to repentance so the Messiah would be accepted and get out of the way. Step aside once the Messiah has been introduced. John wanted the Messiah to be lifted up. Are you listening? John wanted his light to shine so men could see his good works and glorify the Father. John wanted the Messiah to be seen. The ministry that John had is probably, listen, one of the toughest ministries in the church. Because John's ministry was to prepare the way to clear the road, are y'all listening? To clear the road so that the Messiah could come through. John's ministry was to put the Messiah forward so people could see him. Not so people can see John. John had a ministry that, that, that very few people can fulfill and be happy. Very few people can serve and work and somebody else get the glory. Few. Few people can say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that all so that you can be seen. A lot of people want to say, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that so people can say, oh, you're a wonderful person. You're a great person. You're such a servant. You're such a man. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody was thanking John. 
Nobody's looking at John going, oh, John, you're a great job preparing the way, clearing the way and getting out of the way. Good job, John. Great job. Nobody did that. And John didn't care because John knew his purpose. You got to know your purpose and stay in your lane. That's another sermon. Know your purpose, stay in your lane. John's ministry was to prepare the way, get out of, clear the way, prepare the way, get out of the way for someone else to shine. And I'm confident, and this is one of the reasons why John was great. Remember I told you some time ago, I said John was great because John was the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. That's why Jesus said John was the greatest prophet. John was the greatest prophet because John was the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. But I also think John was the great prophet because John was a prophet who was willing to do the work of the ministry and get out of the way. I got to believe that. Look at verse 26. They say, John, people are leaving us. They're going over to Jesus. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.